podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Michael J. for Hope for the Warriors. Started back in 06 at Camp Lejeune. Military families witnessing the effects of war on their loved ones. Now, almost 20 years later, they've aided over 53,000 service members, veterans, and families with confidential, high-quality behavioral health care services at little or no cost to post-9-11 vets and their families. Over 91% of every dollar donated goes directly to the programs. If you're as concerned about our heroes as I am, go to the hope for the warriors.org evening everybody um we are here to do another video for you for gallagher shots and tonight we've been joined by tom halton who is a barrister at three hair court in london um reese is here because he doesn't really have a choice um, obviously, some of you will have seen today that Tom, who is the voice of football law, has written a great article today about the owners and directors test. Um, so thanks for coming on, Tom. You're welcome. Thanks for inviting me. Um, so firstly, obviously, everybody is sick of our faces and knows that I'm a lawyer and Reese is a criminal barrister. Um, but can you tell us a bit about what you do, Tom? Sure. So, as you mentioned, I'm a barrister at Three Hair Court Chambers. Um, my practice uh, isn't criminal uh, as, as yours is. Um, so, I focus on a mixed common law, uh, which involves um, a mixture of contractual or personal injury or commercial uh, or insolvency matters um, or even property matters. So, it's quite broad um, with sport law or football law. It's quite interesting because it's not a, an area of law in and of itself, although there's the individual regulations, but uh, those various practice areas that I uh, practice in come an umbrella of sports law. And you know, so it's quite interesting to see how it all interacts together and, and bring it all together uh, to do something with the article that's gone around today, for example, uh, which touches on looking at the um, position of directors and um, so for me it's quite interesting just to have those various various practice areas come together um, under the umbrella of sports or football or in particular. Yeah that's really helpful and is that, is that why you wrote the article I mean you've already told us that like Reese, you're not not an NUFC fan. Um, yeah so um, I'm for my sins that in Villa fan and mm-hmm. um, I don't really grudge um, against um, any Newcastle United fans despite um, some uh, I think lively uh, rivalry between Villa and Newcastle over previous years um, but for me it was more so that so I, I launched Football Law a couple of weeks ago as I said to you guys before um, they started recording um, and so I've been seeing a lot of news stories flying about um, over the past couple of weeks and one of the things I noticed in particular was people talking about the, uh, the Sheffield United owner uh, and the um, apparent misfiling at company's house of the owner of Sheffield United um, and not having a person uh, of um, uh, significant power I think is the term um, there was some confusion there and that kind of delved into and got me into reading articles, how that was connected to the Newcastle takeover. And then I started reading news articles about takeover generally. 
And for me, what I saw was a lot of hypothetical situations, um, a lot of sort of prevaricating from general sports commentators, but not lawyers, people that know either the company law side of things or the Premier League rules side of things. So for me, I just thought it was a, a prime opportunity to, to do what I wanted to do with sport, with football law, was to stop that provocating and speculating and, and give an informed article explaining what the test is and relying upon sort of factual sources rather than saying, you know, what if or you know, could that happen? Focus on what we know and applying what we know to the tests that apply. Um, I just thought it would be useful to, to bring some clarity uh, amidst all the um, commentators uh, that, have, that have come up recently. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we, we've done a little bit of commentating on it, and I think we've been surprised how many rogue press articles that they've, they've been. It's, it's not really based on any facts, and obviously from our point of view, because we've been involved from the beginning, we've had to do a fair bit of speculating, but like you we've tried to base it on you know actual companies house documents etc yeah um obviously from the fans point of view you're now probably about to get an influx of nufc supporters and obviously the first thing that they're going to say is tom is there any good news mm-hmm. and yeah i think that's certainly one of the things i've taken from today and i'm, I'm very grateful for it as well <laughs> i think i tweeted about it earlier was reception and the engagement with the article today is you know I'm, I'm so thankful for it because it makes writing the article feel that much more worthwhile um and so what was the question again in, in particular so um <laughs> just just is there any good news for the fans it. obviously it's it's gone quiet for yeah. a couple of weeks and everybody's a bit nervous yeah um and, and so i think they were uh, firstly just grateful to have somebody give a, a clear and balanced view um, and also, yes, in, in terms of being sort of a, a bit of good news or potential good news, because there's there's one caveat that I carry on throughout the entire article. But based on what we know and applying the test to what we know as well, my opinion is that if KSI, PIF, so the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia, Arabia um, Personal Investment Fund, is to be um, a director of whichever company or company structure. I don't want to doubt that too much because that's when it gets a little bit confusing, but just in a nutshell, if the KSA PIF is to be a director of the company that ultimately owns Newcastle at the end of this, um, in my opinion, there's nothing um, that would cause KSA PIF to be disqualified. And in, in particular, this piracy issue and the human rights um, violation allegations against Saudi Arabia, not the KSA PIF in particular. Um, so I think it was really important just to set out the test, but also you know, this important distinction between the PIF and the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia as a state itself and the, the system government there. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think everything in your article is largely aligned with what we've said about the setup. Again, we appreciate that there's quite a lot of speculation about that. Um, there was, just going through the time frame of, of large amounts of concerns that have been raised. Um, there was initially some sort of complaint, Reese. I think, about Sheffield United and the Premier League rules. So, Tom, it's pretty much where you started with people were concerned because, and you'll 
you'll probably know better than I do, under the owners and directors test, you have to be independent, which is why if Jamie Rubin were to become a director of Newcastle, he'd have to step down from the board of QPR. And what people were concerned about was, is there too close a link between the owners of Sheffield United and the owners of Newcastle? I don't know what your thoughts were on that. Yeah, so this links with the, the, the owner of Sheffield United point as well. And I, I think people, uh, I, I just because they're, they're brothers or, or whatever the other relationship is between um, those involved, that, that's immediately a conflict and therefore that they can't be a director or they can't be involved with the company whatsoever. But going back to what I mentioned earlier, and what my article focuses on is, is that we're looking at KSI PIF being the director, not the individuals themselves. But then also just on, on a general conflict point as well, um, and, and, and looking at company law provisions, even if there was to be some transaction where um, one of the, the owners would, would benefit in some sort of way to have a, a, a substantial benefit, as long as everybody of that com- from a company act perspective, as long as everybody is aware and agrees with that, that's fine, and they have the approval to go ahead. That's fine internally. But then, when you look at the ODT from the Premier League as well, um, there are then those sort of supplemental provisions provided in the ODT. So, for example, Rule F one two um, refers to a, a person. So this is whoever wants to be the director directly or indirectly uh, he is involved in or has any power to determine or influence the management or administration of another club or football league club um, and I, I think that's the, the the concern that you were raising Reece, whether it would come underneath that um, but as I, said, I think people are just making the assumption um, that that person is going to influence and other than them being related, like, like, there's no, you know, there's nothing sound to say that they're going to influence how the other club is run. I know people have concerns about Saudi Arabia being an absolute monarchy and how that system of government is run. When you're looking at it from a, a business perspective, um, you know, I, I haven't read anything, I haven't seen any evidence to suggest that there's going to be that influence there to cause any concerns in respect to the ODT. And for me personally, once I started reading more of the articles about the takeover, um, I, I almost felt that that issue was more of a red herring. And for me, the piracy issue and the human rights issues for me were the main points of focus. And that's why I haven't really dealt with this potential conflict issue, because I, I just don't really see on what basis people are saying that's going to happen. Okay, that's, that's really useful to know. Um, okay, so coming on to the, the two other issues, if we take the Amnesty International point first, the human rights point, um, yeah. in fairness, um, we were less concerned about that, so it's interesting that how we've kind of put all the different, all the different issues, and I think, Reese, from yeah. what you were saying is, you know, in terms of the Premier League test, it's not a moral test, and therefore, you know, it comes on to, you know, the allegations about the the journalist, etc., but that it's not something they can really take into account. Well, from my reading of the rules, it, it's almost irrelevant if you've committed murder, because it has to be a list of one of the scheduled offences or a dishonesty offence. 
So, yeah, so obviously referring to Jamal Khashoggi, um, yeah. the um, journalist who is alleged, well, was murdered. That's what we know, it's not alleged murdered. They are, they were murdered. But it's alleged that it was um, sort of sanctioned or approved or ordered by uh, the Crown Prince of Saudi. Um, I think there's been some either CIA or FBI um, sort of confirmation of that's that's what they think happens, but in terms of that being proved in a court of law or, uh, or or anywhere else, there's not been that process of it. Um, but yeah, going back to the the Premier League um, ODT, uh, the owners and directors test, um, that there is that conviction rule that you mentioned, um, reset um, rule F15, um, but then in addition to that, there's rule F16, and, and this is what makes it broader uh, and this is that uh, so if um, a proposed director falls foul of this rule they will be disqualified from being a director and the rule is in the reasonable opinion of the board he has engaged in conduct outside the United Kingdom that would constitute an offence of the sort described in rules F15.2 uh, which is the uh, dishonesty offence reason that you mentioned or F153, that's then linked to a, an appendix of some listed offences, uh, but they're all very much related to, to individuals, or so for example, one of them is in respect of um, an individual um, receiving a, a, a pirate transmission, uh, but we're not looking at somebody who's doing the piracy themselves, it's just somebody watching you know, a, a live stream at home over a, an illegal stream. Um, so. There is that conviction element in other rules, but then this one takes things further. And for me, this is what made it more of a consideration. It's just simply that the board can, the board of the Premier League, that is, can take that into consideration, even if there hasn't been um, uh, a conviction in, in, in a court of law. Um, but then going back to what I mentioned earlier about the um, focus on, on the sort of company entity of KSA PIF and again you know well, this is good news in terms of people wanting uh, the PIF to uh, go ahead with the takeover is that focus on, on, on PIF itself it's not PIF who has allegedly committed um, the murder um, or, or anything else associated with it that, that's a separate legal entity the, the allegations are ultimately against the, the Crown Prince and, and the state of the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. Um, so it, it was something to consider in, in more de detail, uh, but the company setup of the PIF, in my opinion, um, took it out of the equation and it's not something that I think would cause um, the PIF to be disqualified. Our understanding was that Mohammed bin Salman would take a role on the board of Newcastle. So, again, so this is the, the uh, caveat that I had yeah, yeah, throughout I my entire art. Yeah, so I, 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 I know it's been rumoured that he could be, um, but, but nobody knows. And I, I specifically didn't delve into who's going to be on the board um, in, in terms of an individual person. Um, because, again, you're then delving into speculating.
Shopping these days can be underwhelming, but at QVC, we believe those who love to shop deserve a living, breathing way to shop, where product descriptions are alive with demos by creators, chats with inventors, and hosts who know the most. From self-care and kitchenware to fashion trends and forever faves, at QVC, we bring life to products and products to life. Shop qvc.com podcast and use code QVC15podcast for $15 off $30 for new customers. This is shopping brought to life. You know, there's myriad possibilities of then who could be on the board, and we don't know their you know, whether they've got a criminal history or, or anything like that. So I didn't really feel as if it was useful to delve into that. Um, but my understanding one, I, I, there's a similar um, situation in respect to Manchester City. Um, so of course Abu Dhabi is not particularly um, brilliant with its own human rights issues. Um, and the, the owner of Manchester City, whose name has escaped my mind for the time being, um, thank you, okay. um, had similar um, allegations um, posed against him in terms of his relation to the state there. Um, I don't know what the owners and directors test was at the time that Shane saw took over, but I wouldn't have imagined that it would have been anything less than what we've currently got. Um, but, but what you have there, and what I presume is going to happen in, in this takeover, if it happens as well, is that you know Shaimanta or, or um, the, the Crown Prince uh, isn't on on the board itself. Um, what you have is a company entity, which yes, there's yeah, there's ownership of from you know, the Crown Prince or, or Shaimanta or eventually, uh, but in terms of who's going to be on the board itself, um, I. For me, I, I didn't see anything to suggest it was going to be um, the Crown Prince. What I did see somebody suggest was, and this comes from the the creation of the NCUK Limited company as well, that it would be, I think it's the governor um, of, of the um, uh, KSI PIF, um, his, no, his Excellency Yassir Othman El Ramayan. Yeah. Um, and in, in terms of him, no one knows anything about him. Nobody knows whether he, um, you know, would have had any in involvement in any of the allegations being put forward. But th there was nothing that I could find against him to suggest to, su to suggest that that would be the case. Um, so yeah, from from what I read about, you know, the proposed setup, um, I, I couldn't see the Crown Prince himself being on on the board of directors. And might it be if that was suggested initially that with all the ongoing Premier League checks that they've now reviewed that decision and it may be that they can work around the rules by, as you say, having different people there? Yeah, and I, I think, you know, um, I, with the very sad is, you know, and then going into more um, westernised economies, um, You'd be surprised if it was a shock for them that people took on bridge with their involvement because they must know that they don't have um, brilliant human, human rights records and um, the, the application of Sharia is, isn't really something palatable to, to most people outside of Gulf countries, I, I, I don't think. Um, but certainly, you know, I, I can see that um, stream of thought that, okay, Perhaps he was going to be on the board, but then there's Sydney uproar and thought, actually, well, I don't need to be on the board. Um, but the PIF, the KSA PIF, can still have the benefit of being the owner of, of Newcastle. And 
get the economic rewards that you know, I think ultimately that's why the PIF is investing in Newcastle because it's, it's at that sort of mid-tier Premier League. Steady. Of, of, <laughs> it's not Villa. <laughs> that, um, that, that's right for investments. Yeah. Um, you know, brilliant um, and passionate um, fans, um, good history. Um, and you know, with some of the players that you saw in recently, you know, there is a good Newcastle players there to build upon as well. Um, and and the, the allegations of, of sport washing against the PIF, i.e. that the acquisition or potential acquisition of Newcastle is being used to cleanse their human rights record. For, for, for me, I, I didn't really get that from reading the KSA PIF document and what their plan and vision is. Um, I can understand it probably has that that effect of, of looking as though they're trying to have a better image and so on. But for me, the way that I read what they want to do with this um, sovereign wealth fund is just make money. I don't want to be sort of, yeah, you know, of take, course. Uh, yeah, of take, course. take away the, the, the emotion and passion of football and, you know, everybody wants that messiah to come into their club and save them and, you know, have the enthusiasm and so on and so forth. But, in, in, in terms of what I see the PIF doing, it's just there to make money. And for me, you know, Newcastle is one of those clubs that, um, I mean, if Mike Ashley can turn a profit from Newcastle, then I'd imagine uh, the KSA PIF can. Well, yeah, exa- exactly. And, you know, Mike Ashley has been running it as a business for the last 13 years. And I think the, the points that you're, you're making from, from a fan's perspective, certainly from what we've seen, football fans are now, or Geordie fans are now saying, why why are you asking us to have an opinion on this? And it's a tricky one, isn't it? Because whilst none of us are condoning the human rights record of, of the country or specific yeah. actions that, that we could speculate on, it's very difficult as fans to to say, well, what do you want us to do about it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, well, well, and ultimately, probably, it's, it's not the fans' decision to make it. You know, I think... That's evident by the exasperation by all the people on Twitter, um, that they have such a lack of control, uh, a lack of knowledge of actually what is happening, um, and you kind of just have to <laughs> let it go, really, and just not try and read too much into what's happening. But just you know, if you've got something concrete there, go with it. Um, but I think everything that we have at the moment, as I say in the article, is, is very circumstantial. So there's that um, uh, vendor loan agreement between um, um, St. James um, Holdings Limited, I think is the uh, company in particular, and uh, uh, Amanda Stavely. Yeah. Um, and how that's affected um, or brought in her PLP investment company as well. Um, so yeah, go, go with that. I think reading to that what you will, but you know, at, at, the, at the same time, I, I know there's been comments from Richard Masters saying that, you know, checks are, um, are very thorough. But I, I don't know if there's been actually anything on the record of, you know, of Richard Masters going, oh, we're currently doing a check of this person or, or that person. No, they, they just wouldn't say it. So for all, for all we know, that vendor loan agreement between um, uh, Stavely and um, uh, St. James Holding Limited could be completely... Unrelated. I, I I know I'm just kind of being dead. Yeah, no, I, that, you know, and that's that's but, useful to know. Um, um, but but I think you know 
because you also have the the NC UK Limited Company coming in as well, and we know Stabley's been involved or was involved with the um, I think brokering part of the Manchester City deal as well. Yeah. You know, circumstantially, it's kind of building a bit of a picture. So. Yeah, I mean, Stabley's been trying to get her paws on Newcastle for a while, so that makes sense. Um, but obviously, from the fans' perspective, um, you know, now people are saying to us, well, it's just been too long. Um, do you think that there's a legitimate reason for the delays? Well, so in the um, the rules itself, um, it actually gives a timetable for how long um, this process should take. So upon receipt of a declaration from a proposed director, the um, the ODT says it should take five working days for there to be a response. And I think in a normal set of circumstances, that would probably be be fine. Um, but then at the same time, even if you know, even in normal circumstances, if somebody needs the approval of somebody else to, to get what they want, they're not going to you know throw their toys out the pram if it takes a, a few more days. But even more so in the circumstances that we are in, where very sensibly the Premier League are focusing on uh, return to training protocols and, and getting those in place, which I've spoken about elsewhere in football law as well. I mean, you see how extensive they are when you're trying to balance the interests of 20 different clubs and 20 different companies and therefore 20 different lots of shareholders as well. There's, there's a lot for them to take on at the moment and do. So doing some due diligence on um, you know, a, a takeover, which I'm sure there's loads of other background work to be completed on as well. Um, it'll take time, and you know, because of the media uproar, yeah, I think way to put it. Not that they would be slapdash otherwise, but perhaps they're being overly cautious in yeah. this circumstance to make sure every T is crossed and every I is dotted. Yeah, um, because from a uh, I, we, we've spoken about some of the controversial issues in respect to the human rights already. Because of that, you, you know, you, you don't want to come out with mud, mud in your face, do you? You know, if you haven't checked yeah. something thoroughly, um, and if it does go ahead, and um, they want to confidently say that we we've checked everything and we've done everything proper and, and, and right, um, and I, you know, that's the the best way to go about it, really. And it might be that it just takes more time than normal because of the you know the current circumstances as much as that might annoy some people yeah. um, you know I've seen, I've seen a lot of criticism in tweets today saying maybe if they can't cope with doing two things at once then they're not really fit for purpose but um, I think that kind of forgets how big those two things are at the, at the same time it's not a simple matter of ticking two small things off your checklist yeah, and I think that's something that we spoke about resourcing that, you know, the, these clubs, however big they are, you know, the FA, the Premier League, they still don't necessarily have limitless budgets and resources and staff to carry out these kind of checks. Mm-hmm. Is, that, is that what you were thinking? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we have to remember that the Premier League functions at a normal level. And at the minute, they're probably functioning a lot higher than they would on a day-to-day basis and they're not going to have staff employed to be able to do these sorts of things all the time. It just doesn't make sense financially. Um, So the other thing that we should probably just cover briefly is obviously the the piracy situation. So I think, Reese, if you just sort of 
we've done a couple of threads. If you just summarise our position, I think it's the same as yours, Tom. So, if, if by way of background, B out Q are a presumably, although nobody knows, based in Saudi, and they were broadcasting B in sports games via a format called Arab Sat, which is a publicly owned by twenty one different Arab states. Uh, effectively a satellite broadcaster and being sports approached the Premier League and said can you help us out be out Q who we believe are backed by the Saudi government let's remember that being sports are backed by the Qatari government being sports said can you help us out and the Premier League actively approached Saudi Arabia and said you need to shut down be out Q be out Q was shut down last August and the US piracy reports uh, still have Saudi Arabia as an active watch list country because they're because of the background of BLQ. Um, our position is there still isn't actually anything to link BLQ to the Saudi state, let alone PIF, let alone anybody individually involved in PIF. The only recent development has been the World Trade Organization. Uh, allegedly, they found in a 130-page ruling that's been passed in the Premier League that there is a link between PIF and BLQ. So yeah, we don't think... Um... Go on, Tom. <laughs> no, no, that, that's a brilliant summary of it. Thanks, Rhys. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm sure all of us can't wait to read that 30 page <laughs> judgment. I'm sure it'd be really exciting read. Um, but no, um, th- there's nothing at the moment besides that judgment which has linked... Um, the piracy issue to Saudi, um, but I, 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 you know, I, I looked at the various news articles in, in respect of that WTO um, decision, and I think it was the, the Guardian in particular that said it, you know, it directly linked the Saudi state to um, the piracy claims or, or, or being responsible for. Um, the piracy claims, um, but you know, I, the, I think you, you sort of touched upon it in, in, in passing. Reese, um, Qatar and Saudi aren't really the best of friends. <laughs> I think it's an important point to note. Um, but, but more importantly, for for this situation, um, even if it's been linked to Saudi or, or, or the Saudi government, that doesn't mean, therefore, it's linked to. The PIF. Um, one of you know, the things that I was tearing my hair out trying to do this article was to find out whether the PIF was a separate legal entity. Mm-hmm. Um, and from my reading of um, the, the, the documents that were given, and it sets out the structure of PIF and where its funding comes from. And although that does come in part from government funding and so on, it, it is as um, Qatari and Saudi based lawyers, so working in some friendly terms. I suppose there um, confirmed to me that it um, the PIF is a separate legal entity. So it, even if we are in a position where you can say yes, okay, the Saudi government is, is responsible for um, uh, the, these. For the Millers, movie nights were once tradition. Now Sarah could hardly get through the opening credits, not on that old couch. But one day while shopping on QVC.com, she learned Lazy Boy recliners had slimmed down a bit. And in just a few clicks, Sarah got her Lazy Boy chair and a popcorn maker and a soundbar by Bose. 
And with one quick trip to QVC.com, Movie Night and Sarah's Back were saved. Shop QVC.com slash podcast and use code QVC20podcast for $20 off $40 for new customers. This is shopping brought to life. Piracy issues, that doesn't mean that you can therefore put it at the foot of the PIF and that can therefore be used um, to disqualify the PIF as being um, a, a director or an owner of, um, of, of any takeover that's going to happen. Um, so I, in, in my opinion, there's a different, definite um, sort of break in the chain. And I think that's very good news if you're somebody who's a Newcastle United fan and you want the PIF to be part of this takeover. Great news. Yeah, really good. Um, okay, so um, what do you think are the next steps? Do you think we will hear we would hear from the club if the Premier League have approved the checks, or you think we might hear some more non-interviews from Richard Masters? Yeah, so in, in, I was trying to work out where on the timescale things would be if a declaration has been submitted and it's been considered by the board already. And you, you only submit the declaration when you're proposing to be a director. So in my opinion, if you're making the declaration, you must be pretty far down the line. Yeah. Um, to, to, you know, to, to feel confident enough to say, yes, we're going to make this person or this entity a, a director or they're going to be an owner um, of, of um, whichever company holds Newcastle afterwards. Um, but, but then at the same time, you don't know if it's the reverse, that they're doing this to get perhaps one of the more difficult aspects of the deal out of the way first because of you know the, the, the amount of controversy it's called and they want to get that out of the way first and see whether or not it, they can be a director and then they're going to go on and do the more you know, financial and you know, internal due diligence things themselves um, so I, I don't want to be a classic lawyer and say it depends but yeah. at, the, at, the, at the same time it, it just depends at what stage they are at themselves in, in, in making that declaration whether it's at the, the front end or, or, or the back end my, my opinion is that it would be perhaps at the back end I, I don't think that you would make the application for the declaration because it's you know you have to put the information together yourself and um, I don't think you'd make the application if, um, if if you had your house in order pretty much because you'd have to set out um, particularly on, on the owner side of things you'd have to set out you know how much ownership you have in the company um, what position you're going to have as a director um, so yeah my, my opinion is that I think once it's passed there should be something quite soon afterwards in, in, in respect to the takeover. Yeah. Um, but that, that's just a hunch. And I, I don't want to delve too much into... No, no, state. absolutely. We like the, to carry the out these podcasts as, as lawyers yeah. anyway. But I think we agree. Yeah. And yeah. I think... Um, so obviously for us, we kind of started at the beginning when it was the very complex company structure and then various bits and pieces happened. So I think we've lost a little bit of perspective. But... Do you think the Saudis knew uh, that all of these objectives, uh, all of these complaints were going to happen? Do you think that they had some overview of the, the amount of backlash that was going to be? Say, from, a, from an outsider's perspective, because we have this view of some Gulf countries um, 
and would perhaps take some umbrage with them having involvement with you know, UK-based companies because of their human rights record or you know, many other issues. I, I personally would be surprised if they didn't anticipate something like this. But then on the flip side, when you look at how much investment the BIF has done, even this year alone, so you have you know, investment in Disney, they've got huge shareholdings in, in Uber, um, they've just taken a massive shareholding in Carnival as well, the big um, cruise liner holiday company. And, you know, for my reading of like, you know, shareholder news articles or um, market articles, I haven't seen as much uproar about the acquisition of those companies, whether it be in, you know, elsewhere in Europe or in the States, wherever it's because football is so culturally significant that it has that extra consideration here, I don't know. Um, so maybe they weren't aware of that significance and have been caught out in, in, in that respect. But um, for me, I, I, I would have thought that they would have anticipated to do so personally. I don't know what you guys think. Do you think that it was something that they were oblivious to? or I think they knew it was coming. You'd have, you'd have to expect it. Yeah, I don't think that they're experts in terms of football. I think the way that if this happens, they'll set up to have people like Staveley um, and a director of football. But I think that they must have anticipated some level of, of backlash and appreciate like it's a very good point that they haven't had it necessarily with other companies. But they also have got some connections, although not too close, if the Premier League are listening to other clubs, you know, and, and people who will have advised them that, you know, how these tests will work. And certainly Stavely as well, I would imagine she's a proper businesswoman. So, um, you know, having her connections with, with Gulf countries, I think she would have prepared them for some level of, of um, you know, kickback. Um, the, the other question that we always get asked, and so by asking you now, I'm probably saving you at least one or two Twitter inboxes, <laughs> is... Um, well, we've put up with Mike Ashley for this long. What if he just backs out? Or what if the Saudis back out? Do you think that's likely? Um, well, from track record, I'd probably say yes. Because, yeah. you know, Newcastle fans have been in this position before where they've got excited about a potential sale of the club or a potential owner being interested. But then Mike Ashley has gone, actually, that's not the price up. I want for the club um, and it's all come tumbling down um, whether or not now Mike Ashley has got to the point where he realises he's taken the club as far as he can get um, yeah. or whether he you know he, and, and also the fact that he, he, he's obviously keen to, to sell he wants to sell it, I think that that's not questioned, Yeah. he just wants to get a price for it and one thing that could also be taking a bit of time to, to sort out, one, one of the things that I at least thought about that could take a, why there's been a bit more time in, involved, um, could be because of how you know, depleted valuations in so many companies that companies have become in the last three to four months, whether the PIF are using that as sort of leverage against Ashley to, to get a lower price, and whether he's therefore being apprehensive about selling at a lower price um but then alternatively it could also be that mike ashley knows hang on this is the biggest sovereign wealth fund in the world 
I want to get as much money from them as I can. Um, whether it be this reported three hundred million pounds um, valuation or not, um, in, you know, there, there is so much that goes into these sorts of deals, even before it gets to the stage where there's rumblings and news reports. So, you know, it would be easy if Mike Ashley wasn't so complicated, and complex yeah. person. Um, but, I. Uh, because there's been so much more reporting and there seems to be more circumstantial evidence in comparison to what there has been with other speculated takeovers. Um, I, I'd be surprised if this one fell through. What, what do you think? No, I agree. I, I think the time is right. Ashley's short of cash. The retail sector's yeah. on a downward slope. Yeah. I think it'll happen. It's just a case of how long. That's a very good point, actually, in terms of you know him needing the resources for other um, enterprises he's got going on. Um, I think that's a very good point to bear in mind, actually. Yeah, and the other thing as well, from from a fan's perspective, is you know he wants the best price, but from our perspective, he's starting to lose credibility. And if he you know is seen to be a real problem businessman, then I think he's going to struggle if he pulls out of this one to actually get other decent buyers interested. Yeah, I mean, it can certainly a turn off, you know, if somebody's difficult to do a deal with, then um, that's obviously not an attractive feature. But, and you know, just looking, going back, sorry, to the to the, the size of the pit and how much resources they have, you know, it's astounding. And I don't think you'd get a better buyer in, in yeah. terms of, you know, financial resources and capability, you know, Case in point, not saying it's Newcastle or going to be in Manchester City, um, because you know, with the, with the best team in the world, you know they haven't yet bought the Champions League, for example. But you know, with that much resources, you can you can do so much. And yeah, no offense to sort of you know fans, consortiums, or you know any sort of more palatable um, uh, company that you know isn't in Saudi that fans might want in terms of a financial perspective and business know-how I think the PIF is just the creme de la creme really yeah. yeah and if Mike Ashley's main concern is money which we strongly suspect that it is then obviously for him he knows that they're, they're not short and it may just be as you say a bit of toing and froing and people have said to us well you know they've got absolute billions why would they be arguing over a million here or a million there but Ultimately, it's as you say, it's a business, so there is going to be perhaps some pushback from that original loan agreement, which none of us have seen. Yeah, um, was, it, was that the vendor loan agreement between Stavely and um, Holdings? Yeah, James Holdings. Yeah, yeah. Um, and th- that's one of the things that really frustrated me when I was doing the research was the the different figures that were being banded around following that agreement. So I, I know that it's sort of given. Um, SJHL um, security over these claims that Stavely's companies has against Barclays, which are claims in, uh, put down as 150 million pounds. Um, but that doesn't mean that she's going to get 150 million pounds from that. But when you read more so through through the the, um, the document itself, not the vendor loan agreement, but the um, security agreement, which I linked to in my article. 
you see that the the bank account that SJHL has security over, um, the the sort of the, the minimum security is for thirteen million pounds. So there's a bank account that that refers to, and anything over thirteen million pounds, um, um, Amanda says companies can can withdraw upon request, but it can't go below that thirteen million pounds yeah. um, level. Um, and my my reading of that was, and I don't know what it was for you two, was simply that that's a thirteen million pound security. I didn't see it as you know up to one hundred fifty million pounds or, or anything more. Maybe some you know interest would be added to. I I, I don't know, but um, for me it looked very much like the, the thirteen million pounds figure was the the, the take home figure from that. We thought it was a deposit, effectively. Yeah, yeah, um, or you know, yeah prepayment deposit holding whatever yeah yeah that's kind of our reading of it it's it's a very complicated set of business structures and vigils so um yeah the whole the whole thing is very complex and i think sometimes the fans forget that as well um so messages from you really that the fans from a fan's perspective just keep waiting keep positive yeah yeah and um Keep on reading football law for the um, the more reliable side of things. And, yeah, and your, ab- your absolutely. Well, yeah, um, <laughs> um, all the subscribes. Yeah, you should, yeah. <laughs> you should yeah. um, definitely um, follow Tom's football law on Twitter and probably retweet his article. Um, and um, you should definitely subscribe to Gallagher Shots. I don't know how you actually do that, but go on YouTube on Gallagher Shots and subscribe. Yeah. Um, but Tom, thanks very much for coming on to explain all of that really complicated law. I think, I think it helps because sometimes we forget some of it along the way. And it's it's good to have an outsider's opinion rather than us being slanted. Yeah, well, you've always Especially maintained I, I, independence, but as a Villa fan, I've, I've been there many times as well, so you, you're not alone. Um, no, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. It's been good to have the chance to to speak out loud what I think about it as well. Yeah, I think I think it's been really useful, and um, I think it's useful just for the fans. Just I know that everybody's a bit sick of it, but it's good to kind of talk about it and just to remain positive. And from our perspective, as you know, I just think no news is is still good news. Well, yeah, if it's not off the table, then yeah, that's definitely a positive. Now through June 29th, you can earn up to four times rewards points on your favorite products throughout the store at Safeway. Shop for items like Coca-Cola products, Deer Park Natural Spring Water, Dannon Light and Fit Yogurt, Mott's Original Applesauce, Heinz Ketchup, and McCormick Spices. And earn up to four times bonus reward points to use for discounts on gas or groceries. Visit Safeway.com or download the Safeway For You app to earn your reward points today. Offer valid through June 29th. See store for more details. Sports Social Podcast Network.